Lenin, Ablak Gemara, we are up to the Lamed Zayin Ahmed Aleph. We're up to the two dots in the middle of the page. And uh, Amaya said that you can have any material to tie around the lulu, but he brought a proof that the Choshua people, Yishalayim, used to use gold bands to, to, uh, to bind the Hadas and the Arava to the lulu. And the Chachamah says, no, right from there, because they still had a proper tying on the bottom. And that was just on the surface, extra additional thing. Tanya, we learned, Omar Amaya, Amaya said, Maisa Biyakiri Shalayim. There's a story with the Choshua people, Yerushalayim, Shayyayin, Esnuludayim. They used to find the Lulavim, Begimaniya Shalzav. They used to use like strings made out of gold. Amrulayim, Misham Raya. They said to him, from there is a raya. The minay haya oigin. They actually had a upper tying on the bottom. And what they did there was um, only an extra uh, extra layer for beauty. Amalu Rabba, we now we're gonna have a number of dinim that the Rabba put out. Some of them Rabba is gonna argue, Abaya seems he wasn't around, and some of them he doesn't. He said to those people who are raising these hadassim, and he said to them as follows. He said, in the house of the Rejgalusa, he said that when you go ahead and you're going to tie up the, the Hamshana, which tie Lulub is called the Hashina. So the Hadas and the Arava and the Lulub, the Rejgalusa, make sure you leave an area empty that you can put your hand on it and there should be nothing between your hand and the Lulub. We don't want a Chatzitza between your hand and the Lulub itself. So therefore, make sure that you don't have that tie around on the bottom part of the lulu where you place your head. Says Rabbi, no, it's not an issue at all. Rabbi, because that is there for Hidu um, Mitzvah, it's there to make the whole Mitzvah more nicer. Therefore, it is bottled to the lulu and, and, and the Hadas and the Shina, and therefore it's not considered a hefsik whatsoever. Not a hefsik at all. <clears throat> Um, that a person should not have a um, a handkerchief around uh, around the lulud when he takes the lulud. We need that you should be holding directly onto the lulud completely, and you don't have that because you're holding onto a handkerchief. And the rubber says, no, it depends. Rubber says that if this is what this is what's um, helping you hold on to the luluv, it's considered a lekicha. So even if it's outside of your hand, if you're, what you're holding on the luluv adds to the beauty of the luluv, then and, and since you're it's your energy that's dragging, that's picking it up, and everything else, it's considered lekicha. Unless it's inside a keli and you're holding the keli, then it's, it's as if you're not holding on to the lulav. But if it's more like an extension of the lulav, it's all right. And how do I know that? So he says, how do I know that? <clears throat> he says, it follows. He says, um, oh, my brother says, no, I mean, how do I know the lekicha? We're on the bottom of Lamed Zayin, Omer so we're talking about if you're taking the lulav but not holding directly, but you add something to the lulav to make it easy for you to lift the lulav and so on. So we're saying if it's sort of an extension of the lulav, it's considered. Rabbi says it's good enough. Since it's all because of you, it's good enough. 
How do I know that you make an extension you're not holding the record is good enough? If not, we learned when it comes to Paraduma, when it comes to the hyssop, Kotze, you're supposed to take the hyssop and put it and put it, dip it in to where the may, you know, the water is, the mechatas, and then go ahead and sprinkle it. But what happens is too short and you can't get it into this tube to the bottom where the water is. This, so what do you do then? So he says here, um, so um <clears throat> So if it's too short, for example, is mesapkoi bechud ubekush. What you do is you take this hyssop and you extend it by adding a string to it, or a piece of some other kind of a, another stick to hold on to it, and then the table you dip it in to the water umayla, and then you take it out. But the oich is beaze of a mazav. When you sprinkle it, you actually have to hold not on the string or on the, or on the stick, but you actually hold on to the aze of itself. Now the you're telling me it's good enough to extend it by the string, but it says clearly part of the duty is of the coin is that you have to dip it directly. And you're not dipping directly, you're not holding on to the azeb, you're holding on to a string that's holding on to the azeb. You must say, since the, 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 through the string you're able to move about the hyssop to get to the water, that's called the kichai de it's good says, because your mom is tied it together, then it's actually part. So it became part of the hyssop. Therefore, it's good enough. But how do you know where it's not tied together um, that it becomes one goof? How do you know that it's good enough? <clears throat> um, so therefore, the question goes back. How do you know that holding a lulu, the kicha, the kicha? Like in the case we're talking about that you put a you put your handkerchief or something around the, the lulav. It's not doesn't become part of the lulav, just around it. How do you know that's called the kikdosh molakik? I know it's good Ella, you say you're right. I'll bring another eye. Also do with may apid paradun. It says Mahokha for the following case. It says, um, what happens if Dofam Mishfetis Lashik is supposed to put, let's say, the ashes into the water? Let's say it fell from the tube that you had into the Kaylee in the, the trough, whatever it is that's holding all the water, um, is possible. It's possible. Why? Because it happened, it fell on its own. You're supposed to have kavan and everything else. And because, you know, the way one is, you brought the ashes into in this tube, and then you would go ahead and drop the ashes into this um, thing made out of stone, this uh, trough made out of stone where the water was sitting. And because uh, everything we used, remember we learned before in the beginning of this painting, that you did everything we used was made out of stone, so it shouldn't be macabre tuna. And, um, and they would put the ashes from this tube into the water that was in this truck. And because um, and first goes the water, and then you, you put in the ashes. Um, what happens? It fell. In other words, you had no kavana. It's possible because it has to be done with kavana with intention. But let's say if you did it with kavana, it's all right. Now, if he deliberately dropped the ashes into it, it's kosher, but you're not holding onto the ashes. You're holding a shrefetis, this tube, and this tube has the ashes in it, and you're dropping it. How can it be kosher? Amai, it's in the possibility of and it says that you have to take the ashes and you have to play the place it on the water, even though the possibility says you place the water on it. We really looked at another place, what how that works. The Taylor says, since you took the shofar deliberately and you had the ashes in there and you deliberately dropped some of the ashes in the water, it's good enough. So we see that even though you're holding another item, but if this enables you to be able to do whatever you have to do, it's considered an extension is good enough. That's din number two. 
You shouldn't take the lulav and squish it down. You know, let's say if you have the shine and the hodas already tied and you push the lulav, you know, from the, the, from the top down. What happens is if you do that, some leaves are going to fall off from the hodas, some leaves are going to fall off from that other, and comes and they'll, they'll be detached. And when you put your hand around the lulav, you're going to have some leaves which are detached, and it's a chatzitza. Maybe some leaves will fall off. And Rava says, because these are leaves of the Hadas, so these are leaves of the Rava, it's all part of the same mean, it's not a chatzitza. And the Lavush already explains it's brought down. So even though you might have, let's say, the leave of a Hadas between your hand and the lulav, it's, in, it's, all, it's, it's all still considered like one min, because all one mitzvah, and therefore none of them are considered an impediment or the you know, interception. He says uh, another thing that you should not um, cut the bottom of, of the lula. You know, let's say you tied the whole thing together, and then now you're going ahead and, and cut part of the bottom off. And why? The Because what will happen is some of the leaves of the lula. Now you, they lost the, the part of the stem that they were attached to, so these leaves now are separated, and they are now not considered kosher for the lulav. And it, but it's still hanging in there because it was tied. And the chatzitza, these leaves are considered chatzitza. The rabbi says the same thing again. The chayin tried to figure out why do you have to break these up in two halachas when the principle is the same. That way, most of the learned that rabbi holds min bemina is chatzitz. And Rava holds that min b'minu is not chaytzitz. In fact, that's the very central theme of their argument. Some other dinim, nothing to do with chaytzitz, but generally speaking, hadas shel mitzvah. When it comes to the hadas in yululim, also lahareach boy, you're not allowed to smell it on yamtiv before the beautiful smell, because we learn out in the and sukkah chag, the sukkah tassel. We learn out that's like a karmel chagiga. The sukkah itself becomes kaddish, becomes holy. And that's why you don't have any hanor from your sukkah during the mitzvah, while Kozman you have a mitzvah. So the same thing applies to hadas. Kozman sukkahs, the, 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 the hadas becomes sanctified. And what is the primary purpose of a hadas? It's to for its fragrance. So therefore, you're not allowed to smell the hadas during sukkahs. Also, you're not allowed to smell it. But when it comes to an essig mitzvah, you're allowed to smell an essig. Now the question is, why should you? What's the difference? If it's, if it's kaidish, and therefore, it's muktzi. You shouldn't be able to smell an essig either. So Yimara says no. The primary purpose of an essig is not its fragrance, but rather its food, its flesh. And therefore, it's muktzi from its primary purpose. My hadas, the main function of a hadas is it's to generate beautiful fragrance. And therefore, when it became muktzi, what's forbidden to smell it? But when it comes to the essig, what's the main purpose of the essig is the flesh? Forget the mitzvah now, but generally, what's the idea of the essig is the flesh to eat it? Therefore, when it became muktzi, you shouldn't eat it. But this, the fragrance is all right. My time, a hodas l'recha is mainly for her reyaki akzeh. When you became muktzeh, merecha akzeh. What what became aser? The the smell of esig l'achila koy, but esig which is for eating. Ki akzeh machila akzeh. When they just say made muktzeh, they made a muktzeh from eating. What about Abba? Says Abba, hodas b'mechuber. Now we're talking about Shabbos, the rest of the year. Forget about sukkahs. A hodas while it's growing. You're allowed to smell it because we're not worried you're going to pluck it, you're going to, you know, and, and cut it off on Shabbos. But Esig 
An interesting reasoning why. Well, in Essig, we don't want you to go smell while still attached to the tree. We're scared you're going to pick it. Now, what's the difference? Explain the follows. My tiny. Hadas, a hadas. The main purpose of a hadas is, as we said before, is for its fragrance. E shoddy slay, if we allow you, let's say, even if we allow you to, to go ahead and smell while it's growing, we're not worried you're going to cut it off. Why? Because what, what purpose? You can smell it just as well while it's growing than when you cut it off. And therefore, we're not worried you're going to forget an unshop as you're going to pull it off. You, you, in order to do what you're doing right now, the main purpose of a hadas is for, for the smell. You can smell all this while it's growing just when you cut it off. So what you're not chaytz, you're going to cut it off. The problem with an essig is the main purpose of an essig is eating. So even though you're going to smell it, for what its main purpose is eating, the only way you can really eat it is when you pull it off the tree. So therefore, we're chaytz, you're going to forget yourself and actually pick it on Shabbos. Essig de la the main function of an essig is to be eaten. So even though you're not going, you have no intention of eating right now, your only intention is smelling it, eat shoddy slave, you're going to allow him, you're going to go and cut it off. Well, oh, my rabba says, rabba, so therefore it's forbidden. <clears throat> essig is forbidden. <clears throat> um, what and 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 um, Rabba says, Lulav should be in your right hand, but Essig and Smoil, Essig should be in your left hand. My timer, why should the Lulav be more Hashem than the Essig when you would think the first item in the Pasig and Priyat's Hoda should that be in your right hand? Hani Klosa Mitzis, Bahai Hoda Mitzis. The Lulav is made up of three Mitzis, the Lulav, the Hodas, and the Rabba, while the Essig is made up only of one Mitzis. And therefore, you make the Bracha on the Lulav, which is all three. Why don't, why don't we count them as one mitzvah, the combination? If you take any one by itself, you're not yotze anything. You haven't fulfilled any mitzvah. It's only when they're in combination that they are mitzvah. So why don't we count it as one mitzvah? Because the fact is the Torah counts them as four independent things. So three, if it, could we learn the halachas? If you can do zeh you can do a little in the morning, you know, just an hour later, another hour later. So it's clear that three mitzvahs. Not like Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda holds, you have to tie them together. That's the mitzvah. We hold, we're only tying them together to make it easier. We don't have to be tied. There's three separate mitzvahs all together. Four but mitzvahs we have here. But Lepel, if I, uh, let's say I don't have an Esther, but I have all the other three, uh, can I make a bracha? Am I being Not at all. Not at all. So, we, so, so they are still, dependent. There are four mitzvahs that are dependent on each other in order to be able to. we learn the word Lekachtem, Lekichatama? The only yeah. time your Yetzir is if you did all four. If you did three, you didn't do three quarters of the mitzvah, you did nothing. You did zero. That's right. But the machlek is a shiny if you swap hands. You let's say you put a little less in your, a little in your left hand, but the yates are not yates. But we actually say do it, put the then put it the right way and say it again without do it again without a brach. If you're a righty and a lefty, machlek is there as well, what you should do. But we paskin that if you're a lefty, you use your left hand, which is everybody else's right hand. You know, your left hand, which is your right hand. Um, Rabbi Yimus asked, why did the bracha only on this law? Why don't you make on this essay or two dollar minimum? So he says here, um, he said, you know what? Because it's the tallest. It's standing out. Because now you have four independent mitzvahs. You can't tell me you're making a bracha. Make a bracha on each one. Or make a bracha on until it's dollar minimum or something. Why on the lulav? So he says, because it's the tallest of them all. So we took it literally, meaning that it's the tallest, well, it's the highest, right? The lulav is a tefach higher than the hadas narav. Says the that's fine. As far as the hadas narav is concerned, but maybe take the essay, maybe the din should be that the essay, which is in your left hand, lift it higher than the lulav and make a bracha on that. Lift the essay and make a bracha on the essay. And so we thought that you meant literally the lulav is taller than everything else. 
as the Gemara Amalei Hoyel, the Minoi, the tree that the lulav grows on, is is higher than all the other ones, so therefore you make a bracha. Interesting. That because the tree that it grows on is taller, higher than all the other ones, is a reflection on the on the shivas of the lulav itself, and therefore you make a bracha on the lulav. Here you can't answer because it's three mitzvahs, so they make a bracha on the hadas, make a bracha on the rabbi, or make a bracha on the tilas dalaminim. Doesn't explain why you make the bracha and you only mention the lulav. He's saying it is a chshivas to the lulav because the tree that it grows on is the tallest tree. Says the Gemara Mishnah, part of the mitzvah of lulav is to do ninuyim, is to shake the lulav as well. The heichen hayyiminani. The Gemara already asked, who said you have to shake it? Because the Gemara answer, because the previous Mishnah it says the lulav has to be one tefach taller than the hodas narava in order to shake it. So the raya shaking it is important. <clears throat> the Heichen Tesari has a discussion whether we shake it also when we take the Lulu, you know, with the brach in the morning, when you make a brach on the Lulu. Do you also do all the Nanuim like we do in Halal? Tesari says it seems you do. He brings a couple of raya's from the Gemara. When a child is old enough that he knows how to take a Lulu and shake it, that's when your child has to start making a brach on the Lulu. So, um, so we do the Nanuim as well when um, what we do uh, when we do the Lulu. Before um, before Halul, and in fact, so we do we do the we do the bracha like Arizal says. We should make the bracha first thing in the morning. Others make the bracha on lulav in shul right before they make it on Halul. And by us, it says if we do that, we make the bracha right before Halul, then we actually do less than nuyim in Halul because you've already made some nuyim right then and there. But if you made in the morning before davening, then you still do all the nuyim in Halul. So what's the nuyim in Halul? Now they should know there's a very big convoluted machlekes and, and where you do nanuyim or how you do nanuyim. So if you ever go to any show and you see people doing different things, everything has a basis. I'll, I'll just cover some of them when we go through it. The heich noyim and ayin, how do you shake the lulav? So you do it, b'hoidu l'ashem, chilud b'saif. If you look in Tehillim, and the, the last pedig of halal starts with hoidu l'ashem kitoyim chazdoi, and then you go through min and then it goes Baruch Haba, and the very end of Baruch Haba, Hoyd Hashem, and that's all one Patek. So when the Mishnah says here, Hoyd Hashem in the beginning, and Hoyd Hashem at the end, it means the end, beginning end of that one Patek, right? So the beginning of Hoyd Hashem, Yemen, Yisrael, and all that, and then the end, Hoyd Hashem. You shake it again. And over on Hashem Hoyshina, and also on Hashem Hoyshina, dear Basil, Tases wonders, and everybody calls it Tases. Why on Hashem Hoyshina? It's right in the middle of a Patek. One second, says he also shake, he also wave it when it comes to Hatzlichunah. Uh, says the Gemara Mishnah, Amr Bekiva, Tsaifa Hayisi Berabba Gamli Rabbi Shah was watching and observing Rabbi Gamli Rabbi Shua. Shakal Ha'am Hayimananin Eslovain. Everybody was shaking the look. The Hain, Lainen, or they didn't shake it. Ella Ba'on Hashem Hashina. Machlek is hard to understand Pshat in what Rabbi Kiva is saying. Did, is they saying that they shook it by Ona Shamashina and not Ona Shamatslichan? In other words, they agreed with Hill, not Shamai. Or they're saying they didn't even do it in Hoydul Hashem. The only place where they shook it is only Ona Shamashina. <clears throat> Taisha says, Where does Ona Shamashina come? He's Taisha brings a posse from Divra Hayamim. And it says that Oz Yiranu Atsehayar, the trees will begin to be, will start singing. Melifna Hashem. And then, the, uh, and he says, what do you mean the trees will sing in? Because we're going to wave the tree. We know we're going to be singing with the trees. We wave the branches, which is on Sukkot. And the Pasuk afterwards says, And the Pasuk after that, it says, So therefore we know that when, when do we make the tree? We, we, we were singing with our trees when we say, When we say, 
How exactly does it work by Hoyulasha? You know there are many different menagim. So we just do once. <clears throat> we do once, and this is Chabad. We do once for on Hashem in the beginning. And then um sorry, Hashem. We do once Hoydul Hashem, just once. We don't do it with all the other times we say Then we do twice by Hashem Mashina, and then we do once by Baruch uh, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Uh, at the end, at the end by Hoydul Hashem as well. At the um, end, others do it and here. The others are the big machlekes and Yosef and the Ramah and the Ramah itself with uh, Ram. And basically, that every time you say Hoydul Hashem, Kitayv, you wave it. The tzibur. So therefore, when we do Hoydul Hashem and Noima Yemen Israel Yemen and all that, every single time you respond Hoydul Hashem, you wave it. But what about the Chazan? So here you have the, 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 some who say the Chazan only does it the first time and not the rest. He doesn't. Then the Ramos says he does it the first two times because when he says to the people, he's telling them to do it, so let's do it together. So he does it only the first two hoidus, but not the third and fourth. Others say he does it. In fact, very few say that the Chazan should actually do it all four. It's either the first one or the first two. And meaning Ashkenaz is you do uh, all the hoidus. So therefore, the, the last hoidu, when you say twice, double hoidu, they also shake it twice by the hoidu. Not like in Baba Joy do it once. Okay, then we continue. What, what if you're doing at home like we often do lately? Does it make a difference? I'm also, you, don't, you do all the Nanoim. But again, it depends which minute you do Ashkenaz or, or, or Chabad. Mm-hmm. You, you do all the, all the Nanoim. <clears throat> also, the direction that you're facing, whether you should always face Mizrach, which is what many Paschim hold. You have to always face Mizrach and then you start, you know, you're doing it in the different directions of the compass. And again, there's different men hugging if you just go to the points of the compass or or minimal Babbage says you do first right, then left, forward, above, below, and then behind. But again, um, so many hold you have to be facing no matter which way you're davening, but when it comes to the new, you have to be facing Mizrach, which is the way it was done there. Others don't say you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be so. Isn't that because, as we're about to learn, that the, the whole manuim, it's la'atsa ruach ra, you know, it's to prevent different uh, bad winds and so on. So it's got very much to do with the physical direction. Oh, yeah, you'll see in a minute, yeah. See in a minute. Others say when it says here that it doesn't mean anything what I just told you right now. It actually, others say what it means is the beginning of the Pasuk and the end of the Pasuk. means, in other words, every word, because there are six points, uh, the six directions that we wave it at, and Hoydul Hashem has six words besides the word Hashem. So therefore, that's what he's saying is, don't just shake it at the beginning of the Pasuk and finish, or the end of the Pasuk, do it the beginning and the end. So therefore, broke it up. Every word you wave it in a different direction. And by Ona Hashem Hashina, every word you wave it in two directions. So first thing about it says, Ninu Amalek Hashmei, where does anything about waving? Think about a hustle case. It's in the of the previous Mishnah. Kolul, which is very well in there, but kosher, any look has its walking plus an extra tepach in order to shake, wave it as kosher. Ukamar, Heichen Menadi, and we say, where do you actually wave it? Um, the Mishnah says, okay, you mentioned waving. So where exactly do you do the waving? Says the Gemara, Tanahas, we learned over there. We have a number of other occasions, like Karma Shlomim, we always say you have to wave it. Questionable whether there also you have, what Taisa says, whether you have to follow these directions we say over here or not. But we learn it from Shavuos. Shavuos and Sukkot have a lot in common. Shavuos is the time when we're davening for the fruit, Peter Se'ilah, and Sukkot is when we're davening for the rain. And you need the two 
to work together in hand. So therefore, whatever we do, waving in shavuos must be similar on sukkahs. So we learned over there, you had to bring two sheep for shavuos, and you also brought two lambs, and you also brought two loaves of bread, and you, you had to put them on each other. And you, even though the Pasuk seems to say you put the animals on the bread, we learn now that it's the bread on the animals. Big Machleg is Rashi and Rambam. According to Rashi right here, the animal is alive when you lift it and wave it. And according to the Rambam, it's only after you shecht it. But Shteyelech, you said, is Kate to the voice, what do you do? And you place the two loaves of bread on top of the lamb. And you place it underneath it. You um, what do you call it? What's waving mean? Forward and back, and what also and mylamoyin up and down. So you go up and down and forward and back. So that's what it says. Asher hunaf waving means horizontal, and asher huram is vertical. Now there is a machlekes if we actually do it in all four directions, or you only do it in two directions. The machlekes are showing him we follow, and Shmuel to brings you bring in in four directions. <clears throat> so it goes as follows. Now why the, the fascinating Russia? The rush says, why were there those against to do it in four directions? What's wrong? Why? It's, it's, look, I'll come back in a minute. A fascinating rush. Says the Gemara, you bring it back and forth. Because you're showing all the four directions that the Abish is in control over. And Mailu made it up and down. Acknowledging the Abish that's up and down. The reason why we wave in four directions is because of four, like the word Echad by Krishna, you think about the four corners of the world. So the Abish control the four corners. And then up and down because the Abish is above and he's controlling down here below. Okay, that's one reason. The other reason, like you just said, in West, in Israel, they learned the following. Why did they wave it in the, in horizontally? They to restrain, to contain the horrible winds, the hurricane winds, and the fierce winds. And Milo Moided, why did they go up and down? To hold back, to do, which is very damaging. I'm not going to show what kind of do that is that was very damaging. We'll have a little bit more time. And therefore, that's what, it, that's what it's hold up. So we go up and down. The rush says, you know why there were many, there were posthumous says you shouldn't go in four directions? Because if you look the way, if you go in four directions, you're actually creating a cross. And that's like Avodah And that's why they didn't want to do it in four directions. They did only one direction. There's the rush. My problem with that is that the real cross is if you go up and down and one direction. That's a cross. Because, you know, you have a vertical line and then you have a horizontal going across. He said, forget, you must do a vertical and a four directions across. So therefore, you're not creating a table. It's an amazing thing. Because he's talking about, you know, you're just moving your finger up and down in the air, you're moving something in space without, you know, making, and that's already a sign of a cross. Even though, by the way, that Ramon writes a Shulmar today, that today cross is not really a religious item and so on. But um, the Christians, the Christians, have, the Christians does this gesture with their hands. They move it up and then look, they make a form of a Salem. Yeah, yeah, but that's, um, and they, they, whatever, yes, you're right. So that's what the Russians were saying. I guess they lived in very strong Christian countries in those days, and uh, and therefore they felt it was abhorrent to do that. Rabbi Yochanan lived in Eretz Yisrael, and then they have a memory from other Amoraim of Eretz Yisrael. What's the thing Amoraim of Eretz What do you mean? Um, you got Amor of Yochanan, Amor of Yochanan, maybe, and then they say the Marov of Masnehoche. Yeah, but the Gemara is writing it. <laughs> uh-huh. The Gemara written above, the Gemara saying, and I saw another thing they said. 
But it's interesting that at the time of, of these Tanoim, uh, this Maisa with Yoshke, it would have been uh, fresh this, news. This is Amaroim. No, 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 I'm saying, already, how much would it, Christianity have already spread at this stage? You're talking three, uh, 350 years after it started. It's strong. Very strong, very prevalent. Yeah, but the question is whether it got to, how much of it got to Babel? I don't know, but they're talking about it as well. Remember, they're talking about it as well. I don't know. But by the time the Rush wrote it, definitely the, Rush is, the Rush is writing it. And he's talking about his times. Maybe yeah, in the that, Gemara, there's no argument what the Gemara meant. The question is today, when the Rush is trying, what they should do. Should they do it in four directions? Or two, the Gemara doesn't spell out how many directions to do it in. The Gemara just says, maybe. Sound like back and forth. The Rush talking about his times, like, or the Rush is commenting on the Gemara's time? No, he's not. Machlek is asking what they should do. Okay. No, and even in Gemara's times, it was very well entrenched already by then. Says the Gemara, what do we see from here? We learn an interesting thing. We learn out. Shire mitzvah, the leftover mitzvah is is Even the remnants of the mitzvah, because Anuim is not ma'akim, it's not the mitzvah of Pick it up, you ate already. In fact, according to some, as soon as you put your hand on it, you already ate. Famous Machlek is a Shashab Kibayger. And we'll talk about it another time. So Shini Mitch's Ma'akvana Paranis, yet it holds back the terrible winds, the hurricane winds. Shali Trufa Shini Mitzu, waving it is only the left, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not pivotal to the mitzvah. <clears throat> and just talking about Kabanis, it's the Kapara, whether you do Trufa, you don't do Trufa. And so therefore, this is only like a Shini Mitzu, the addition to the mitzvah. And yet, but Tzedah's Ruchas for Talim Rehm, it holds all this back. So this is side by shvu, is and side by sukkahs, because they're both there for the same reason, to make sure that the fruits grow well. The same thing applies to habit. He would take it, bring it forward, and then bring it back. And he would say, he would like to taunt the Yetzirah, and he would say, let this be like an arrow and poke out the eyes of the, the sun. Um, and the Lamil says, don't antagonize the sun. You're trying, you're going to aggravate him. And who knows what he's going to come back with? Leave him out. Leave him out. A big machlek is exactly when you, according to some, means you just do once back and forth in each direction. According to others, you do three times in each direction. And according to some, just going back and forth, that's already called an anua. According to others, you have to shake it. According to some, you shake it when you go to each end, and then you have to bring it back to your heart. You have to touch your chest. And according to others, then while you're traveling back and forth, you're shaking it as well. So that's the shaking. And yes, so there are many, many different menhagim and how to do all of these things. Now, there's an interesting machlekes, <laughs> fascinating machlekes. You have to look this up in the Ramah, Ramah just see, because very seldom the Ramah brings down all of his teachers. And then he argues with all of them. The question is, when you do the Nanuyim, so you go forward and backward, uh, up and down, when you go down, the Ramah brings two opinions how you should go down. One opinion is, first opinion, you should actually turn the lulav upside down. Hold it, the little, hold with your hand, the little of the hottest and the rubber shake facing downwards because Lamata, you have to. This is one of the things in my Lamata. Mata means turn it facing down. So you have to have the little facing down. And it's Gedetic Dilasa because you're holding it from the top and therefore it's Gedetic Dilasa. That's what the, the, the most said the first opinion. Then he says, I heard, uh, then he says, there's another opinion you should hold it upright. Just, you know, you just bring it down low. And he says, that's what the best Yosef says, name is father. Very seldom the best Yosef quotes his father. That's, I think, only one other place. And he, that's where he quotes his father, how it should be done. Then the Ramos says, I heard this from Rav Shalom Shachna, my teacher, also happened to be his father-in-law. 
and who told me this in the name of his teacher, Rabbi Yaakov Pollock, the famous Rabbi Yaakov Pollock, who teaches everybody. But then the Ramah concludes, but I think they're all wrong, and the halach is when you do the name, you should turn the lulav upside down. That's what the Ramah says. I'm looking in the city of Al-Trebbe. <clears throat> I'll quote you what Al-Trebbe says in fascinating Al-Trebbe. Right before Halal, Al-Trebbe lists all the dinim. And when it com comes to the Nuim, he says, he says here, um, he, he says, and the fifth one is Lamat, right? You take the little of an essay and you bring it down. He says in parentheses, don't turn it over upside down like the Ramah Paskins. You hear what Al-Trebbe adds? Regarding the opinion of the Ramah, the Al-Trebbe says, God forbid to follow that opinion. What strong language. Does the Morgan of Om comment on the Ramah at all? Does the Ramah, um, yeah, everyone says the Halach is, uh, oh, does the Ramah, um, Morgan of Om. Have in front of me here a Mishnah Burr, I'll tell you in a second. Um, give me one second. Um, uh, where are we? Um, now, unfortunately, we don't have it. Cut, cut out right in the middle of the simon. But um, here it says here, where is it? Find it there. Oh, here it is. It says that the second opinion is those who are medactic, he calls them medactic. They don't want to turn it over. That's the Mariel, the Messiah's father. I heard this from my teacher, Rav Shachne, who saw this from his teacher, Rav Yaakov Tolach. That's what Arizo writes. And then the Ramah concludes. I still like better the first meaning, which is you. Which is what? You turn it upside down. And that is to me the Iker. That Ramadan says anything. And the, the, the Taz says it is better to follow the second opinion. This way, everyone holds your Yaitzah. According to the, if you turn it upside down, according to the second opinion, you want Yaitzah. If you hold it upside up, upright, even those who say you turn it upside down, say, but yeah, you know, reluctantly, you are Yaitzah. There's no Morgan Abraham here. And the Al-Trebbe says, following the first opinion, use the word chas v'shalom. But Lepoil, have you ever seen anyone turn the whole uh, Arab minim, the whole lulav upside down? I've never seen I'm it. I'm sure there are. The Ramah says this is how you should do it. I'm sure that people will follow the Ramah. I think, yes, I think, what I, I think what you see is they kind of turn it, they turn it um, horizontal and lower it a little bit. And that's not what the, the Ramah says. Yeah. And the Taz doesn't say you know, that the Ramah is wrong. It just says it's better, uses the words, it's Yaisa Toiv. And now Tereb says Chas Interesting. Wow. Okay, we'll continue tomorrow night. I think tomorrow